Okay, we are live. This is episode four, four of Growth Series, and he's coming back for the second time, Mr. Doctor. I think you got to do it, James Richardson. There's four words there. I, you have to do them all, or it doesn't, doesn't even okay. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark, for having me back. Um, I'm going to go right into it because you okay. always have you'll have just an, probably an amazing answer to it. Um, liquid death. So this will be seen maybe like two weeks from now. So if somebody here's a rewind, they got their, another big raise. It's this big value. I wrote quickly just an update yesterday. People like to just talk about it. What's the first thing you think about when you see that or when you see that raise and or you think about that brand in what you know as far as brand building in the space? So um, I've actually, you're lucky because I've written about that, but I, I, you know, when I hear liquid death, just that when I, from a business perspective, I, my response is bravery. <laughs> Whether it's bravery, we should admire, I don't really care. But the point is um, you could never do what Mike did. Uh, in a, any kind of public firm, uh, in most, actually most venture-backed um, and certainly PE-backed sort of businesses. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are um, attuned enough. I think people misread what's going on. They're, they're very much at the surface, looking at the punk metal kind of middle finger brand identity. And that obviously offends a lot of people, um, which is the whole point. <laughs> um what i but mike is not as superficial i think as people are it's easy to throw stones at the guy because people are just jealous jealous and there's a lot mm -hmm. of jealousy in this industry let's sure. face it so it's a lot of envy um but you know his the raise that just happened that's a typical beverage high growth beverage raise he's at 130 million based on public information i have um after four almost four calendar years that's about like skinny pop mark that's yeah. it's very very fast, but it's not a unicorn. It's not unicorn growth, dude. Yeah, it's not. It's not like we went to three hundred million in two months and we're something yeah. stupid. That never happens. So, it's not like this didn't build. And, yeah. and what I like about what they did, I have some concerns about how much it's going to continue to grow. But the, with the capital they have, they're just going to buy space. So it'll be a long time before they they get punished if they do. <laughs> you know, um, the, the the concern. The uh, the thing that I like about it is that it it um, he focused on a on an actual audience from the very beginning. He's he's a professional, professionally attentive to audience, and almost nobody is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, which is one reason I can't work with a lot of startups because that's one of the things that we have to work with. I have to work with people on, and they're not ready for it usually in the beginning. So. Oh. You know, and and you can you can do you can handle it later, but not if you want it to be part of your brand identity. <laughs> I'll, I'll unpack a few. I'll unpack a few things in there. One is I, I think it's interesting you had mentioned like people are upset at him or or the brand or you know envious. I I always kind of chuckle to that. I, I think that I never thought about that yesterday. Like even when I wrote uh, something yeah. on it, I just um. I just, I enjoy watching really great stories happen. Yeah. I, I was one, I think early on, it's like maybe a couple of years ago, I had wrote on one of his posts. I actually thought 
it was a joke. When I first, no, when I mean, think about that. And, but I'm, I'm totally transparent when I write that, like I would think some other people would do. When I first saw it, I thought it was like one of those fun, it would mean maybe like a meme or somebody yeah. got, got really artsy and fun. We do it all the time sometimes, right? Until I realized, wow, this is real. And it's everything that you had said, which is, he was super hyper focused on an audience that is not only has shown is there, but it was there. You, you can't refute that, right? Like there's multiple brands that you probably could think of that most would call niche, right? But it's not niche. It's just hyper focused on the millions of people that subscribe to that way of living, right? That lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, (laughs) So I'm a sociologist. So, you know, in a, in, well, I look at niche as a couple million people to me is still a niche in a country of 330 million because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's less than 1%. So, it's just like, so, I mean, it was a niche. It's just a big one. It's not like 8,000 nutritionists. Mm-hmm. That's like pointless. Mm-hmm. That doesn't scale anything. Now it might influence purchase, but what I, what I think people are, are missing because there's a lot of backlash. I think about the raise and the white privilege around, and that's all true. I mean, White guys get funded a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they also tend to be better educated and better positioned to do shit like this. Mm-hmm. Also not fair. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think if we get past that and just look at the skate ramp, it's a skate ramp brand. I mean, it's just one of the fastest ones since Skinny Pop. And so it's in my little archive. <laughs> what I The only outlying concern I have is sort of, and I, thought, I think his most recent advertisements show that he's all over it because he's not a, a moron. Mm-hmm. Is he's bridging? He's 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 moved. We've moved. He's moved away from the punk aesthetic. He's redefining his brand identity to have broader sort of countercultural hooks to different groups, and that's what you have to do, you know. So um, he's he's going for um, he, he's going for all sorts of countercultural groups. People who like porn. People who are parents. You know, millennial parents who are you know um, ironic and and very democratic. Right? He's got a kids ad. So I mean. Those are the things you do have to do. I mean, my my big concern is does any does anyone buy this because of the product attributes? Because that's what's really going to determine the long term retention. And, and what are those? So, if, if it's you, if well, it's you, call I mean, them out. What, what is the attributes? So this is actually. I, 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 mean, I drink I drink tap water, folks. By the way, so so to give, I have no fight in this game. I literally drink a gallon of tap water. Somebody asked me the other day, he was like, <laughs> "But do you even filter it?" I do not filter it. I got Marin County, California tap water in my system, and I'm doing just fine. Anyway, go, and back, you, go back to you, James. Do you pour extra fluoride? I don't. I have no idea. It's, it's like, okay, go ahead. So, so what, what, so, what is the attribute if somebody were to? So this is not. I mean, Mike has, and I've read all the interviews, and he always likes to because he's an ad guy. He likes to play up the. This is a brand play. I picked a category where brand is the only way to differentiate. Oh, it's not really true in water, but anyways, I'll, I'll give him that license. Um, brand was a really creative way to get the machine going. And clearly it worked. And he is in a category where it works. So he's correct in a sense, but he also has, he has an aluminum cam and a plastic category. He has a funky shape that's very male oriented because it has a lot of water in it, but it's also appeals to people who... Um, you know, they like to crunch a metal can and throw it in the recycling. I mean, that's a that's a group of people. It's me. <laughs> so, so uh, and then uh, it is Austri- Austrian mineral water. So it's not like it's actual like 
This is not like Nestle Pure Life crap. <laughs> so if you do care about a nicer water, something that was filtered and not garbage, then he's got those people too long-term, right? So I think the sustainability thing is going to be important because if he can milk that, it's going to be how he retains a lot of this scale. There's an outlier risk that this goes to 300 million off buying slotting and then starts to slip slide away, baby. So he's not out of the woods yet. Um, it's, it slips away because because too many people bought it because care anymore. Too many people bought it because of the cute ad. Because the cute ad, it made them cool for a second. They were yeah. they were hip to it, and then they realized they could care. They don't they don't care anymore, and they're back to what you said. Maybe the Nestle or again, I wouldn't even, yeah, even know that I, Nestle's I mean, waters. Are you know, they already are sitting on you know. If they smooth their weekly velocity data the right way, like a professional, they should see this coming six to nine months ahead of um, the market and the retailer. If and I would be looking at that if I were them. I would be smoothing this shit out of my very expensive data set because you can't get cocky just because you got to 130 million fast. I mean, this is the zone of max deceleration. <laughs> and, and, and do you think I'm actually because I don't know. Um, but 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 to money? be clear, but to complete Mark, they may not give a shit. And that's fine yeah. because when you have this much capital, what you do is you use the slotting to buy distribution. You cause a bidding frenzy and you sell the first person you like the price from. And then you walk away and it blows up inside the strategic. So okay. The or that, that happens or they, all the time. That, that or they have, I'm sure it, yes, I can see some happening. Uh, and I, I'm pretty confident in saying that Mike could give a shit if the buyer of his brand fucks it up and it all tanks. He'll just laugh. Well, we, we, Mike, we don't know. So his, oh, let's not make a claim here. Let, let, but, but I will, let me pull back. Let's say, because another somebody wrote about how they could potentially IPO. Would you, if they were to do that, let's just say, assume, is there is there anything they could do with the brand though? I would figure they could. They could go outside of water, couldn't they? Oh, God. I know, but it's like, it's forget liquid that, death. Well, it could be, it could be yeah, bar I death. The bar yeah, death. I, I think... <laughs> So um, contrary to popular belief, that's not how you create billion-dollar beverage brands. Uh, yes, I would I agree. So, um, the one exception to that has been the Simply franchise. Uh, they platformed out into lemonade, not immediately at all. I mean, they started an orange juice and built like a half-billion-dollar orange juice business very quickly. Also, Skate Ramp Brand, created internally by Coke a long time ago. Hmm. Uh, and... Uh, you know, but they platformed because that's what big companies do. So I don't think that, you know, if this has legs, there's no need for that. There's no need. But this is a massive category. Well, he, massive so because I would, can you go you know, outside if he, of, of if water? He was hire, if he was hiring me, it would all be about a plan to a billion, two billion. And how do you do that? Can you do that solely <laughs> through water? Can you do that solely through water and seltzer water? Or do you have to keep going outside of that a little bit? Do you all of a sudden I, get in? You know, I think he's already doing the line extensions that allow you to grab the shelf space, build the brand block. Uh, you know, getting to a billion is very much about de shelf depth, Mark. And, shelf depth. And that doesn't require, it doesn't require line extensions of a functional or formulaic nature or a category extension. It, it could literally just be facing. So, you know, he's amassing a very crack sales team. And the way you would do that is you just get massive amount of facings for your top five at UPCs. He, he should know that by now if he didn't when he started. And I think, so there's all sorts of games you play. And yeah, it's very expensive, but he raised the money to do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is no time to lose focus on the, on the, 
on the category to me. It's about adding, it's about building that brand block um, so that it becomes just this massive thing that that literally tickles, it tickles the throat of every major player globally and they just want to have it. Got it. So that when you walk into, <laughs> when you walk into a gas station, you yeah. get your whole window, you get one full window, right? Well, he will never get that in a C store just because they just, Nobody does, but I think, okay. um, you know, okay. I, oh, I think Coca-Cola barely gets a full window okay. anymore because okay. there's too much, there's too much fragmentation there. But my point is that when you build the brand, when you build the shelf depth, uh, the way he should be doing to get towards a billion, what happens is the strategics in the category, their sales teams, you know, this is a turf war now. This uh -huh. is a pitch. This is a pitched battle in the Scottish Highlands, eight, you know, 1750. So, and they, and the, the easiest way to cheat in that war is not to fight at all, but to buy them out. So that, this is how you, you use, you use sales machinery to generate the exit. Then now let me ask you. You basically question. just piss them off at the shelf so much that they have to buy you. Now, uh -huh. what I'm saying is if he's going to do that, you better do it right now before there's any hint that the brand identity is becoming tiresome and silly and we're all done with it. Okay. That's a fair comment. I would sell but, yesterday. But, 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 but <laughs> let me ask, then let me ask your question. How does, what happens with these brands? This could be talking on all the brands that are out there. Even if they are, if they're North of a hundred, is there a point of profitability? Is there ever, no, and no, like two part questions. So hold on. Is there a point of profitability? Number one, I thought water was free, but somebody could tell me otherwise. Number two, it, if there if there isn't anytime soon, and it is somebody for the turf war scenario, and they're just like, I got to grab this thing. How does it financially make sense? What do, what what are I don't understand. I mean, I mean, I hope I'm talking for the other thousands of people. What are they buying? Where where does the where's the financial sense in all of these deals that don't kick out cash? And if it doesn't kick out cash, when or how? So, does yeah, it I mean, I think I think you're financially savvy. Um, so you're asking you're asking a pointed question that should be asked. I think so. For the benefit of the listeners, people need to realize that when a public firm, say Nestle is a, a Nestle, to me would be in, would be interested in this if they're not asleep at the switch, because their water portfolio is lagging. They need some old, but anyways. Um, <laughs> but this is the way someone like that looks at a public firm because they're on, they're because they're public and because they manage quarter, um, they manage constantly to EPS performance. Now, in Nestle's, um, Nestle's European, so they're managing it every six months, not every three. It means they can think a little smarter. Uh, but what what people don't understand is that the valuation at the time they sign the acquisition documents, the valuation gets added to their revenue, mm. not the comp not the revenue of the shit that they bought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is that's the um, that's the crack cocaine that all these brands exiting, especially in beverage, are offering public companies is the valuation injected into their annual forecast guidance, profitability, EPS, and everything else. You know, this is how people get big wins, right? As CEOs of beverage companies, uh, their shareholder, their stock price goes through the roof. Um, there was a famous example not too long ago in food of this very cynical process unfolding. Do you remember which one? <laughs> Bolthouse Farms. What? No, Bolthouse. not Bolthouse Farms. That was one, but the one that um, 
uh, this startup. Uh, what was it called? Juicero. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. The big joke, right? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a joke because they, they got the valuation added to their income statement. And that, then listen to this, then they wrote it off as a capital loss. So they went on both ends. So the logic of strategics, really, it's so far removed from your world, my world, where we're, we're actually humble managers of a real PNL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no like 17 bailout water slides to glory. I know, but it's, 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 in, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're being cynical about it, right? Because you, well, they, they are too. <laughs> no, I, but I know, but are they, I mean, that, that's why, let me, let me go to this. This is really a, an interesting conversation because it's so real and, but nobody talks about it for, I don't know why, maybe because they're, are they embarrassed to talk about it or is it? They don't, they, they don't have Asperger's and they don't work for themselves. Oh, they, okay, that's that's I just don't one, give a that's shit. Number one. I don't no, give a shit. No, but number one, or number two is, is, is it the, do you think it's the elephant in the room all the time? Cause I, admittingly, yeah. there's a lot of smart people in that room, right? I'm just, let's just talk about a boardroom. Like so that. I, yeah, I'm talking about the C-level and the board in that group. Mm-hmm. I know it cause I've worked with them. I've spoken with them. I've met with them. It's not some academic opinion that I have. Yeah. So I know these folks and how they think. And that's the most hyper-rational part of the organization. So we can call it cynical, but it's hyper-rational. And the only stakeholder that matters at a public company is Wall Street. All this PR about everything else is just that. So the problem you get involved, the problem that I've seen is you go down below that, you might go to like Coke VEB and meet all sorts of idealistic brand managers. Guess what? They don't make any fucking decisions. Yeah. So yeah. they can be idealistic because they don't make any decisions anyway. They, they barely understand the rules of the decision happening around them. <laughs> also, I've worked with those folks. So it's like there's um, I think, and that's the world that people think they think those people are influential inside big public firms, but it's about growing profit streams. If that happens to be natural organic, then they're gonna do that. And you know, it often is. So something like liquid debt, if they can keep it growing at 50% a year, 50 to 75% a year, it's gonna get sold or someone's gonna try to buy it. If they can, if they want to IPO, that's great. But Mike will probably get replaced in about three weeks. Is, is that right? Do you, is that what, oh, yeah. is that what? Oh, oh. Because now, now, now the big investment banks are basically can, can call it all the shots. They control the board and they decide who's running the company. So, yeah. And he may not care, to be honest, because I think I don't know that I can't see that guy like doing quarterly earnings rehearsals. I don't know him. Yeah, I, it's, I, mean, I, I, I never. I don't even think I've met him, so I don't even know his personality. I just know he's super smart, and I'm. I'm. I, yeah. I really give kudos to to what they built there. It, it literally is, and you you can attest this, it was brand building 101 to the tilt. Like there yeah, was, I, mean, I like, haven't seen anything like it. Yeah, it leaned very heavily on brand identity. And that's what made it very unique in the world of fast growing CBG brands that I've seen in the last, most are product driven. And if you read my book, those are most of the case studies they are all product symbolism driven, but this is this was much more than that. It's hard to pull off. And the reason, because people are too chicken shit to create the identity yeah. that he did. I, yeah. I have to, and they're too chicken shit to do the advertising. Have you seen, did you, have you seen the initial YouTube cartoon that he did? Yeah. It, it's like 
a slasher film. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't watch that stuff on purpose because I think it's nasty. Like I'm, but yeah, that's just no, it me. is. Like, it's I, totally, I, it's totally offensive to most of us. But that's that, that, that's what caused the engagement. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think what the other thing, the generalizable thing that everyone listening should learn is that when it comes time to invest in paid marketing, it's probably not before you launch like him. <laughs> so, um, when it comes time, you've got to think about: Are there audiences in my consumer base that never get marketed to? Because I would put my money there. This is what we learned from Dr. Squatch, from Liquid Death. These are groups that never get marketed to. Who the hell marks to markets to metal rock fans, mm -hmm. punk rock? Who? They're anathema in the advertising industry. Yeah, I mean, who well, does? Well, well, you know? well. So interesting, <laughs> but maybe you maybe you can attest to this. Maybe there was prior to that, and also in the bad category. I don't know because I don't drink these things. Well, but this like is Rockstar. a problem. This is a but, problem that cannabis has. What like is they're that? All, they're all trying to make cannabis. They're all trying to make it soccer mom friendly. Ah, uh, uh, I would spend millions of dollars marketing it to fucking uh, stoners. Yeah, like, talk to stoners like stoners. Yeah. You know, I mean, they never get marketed to. Why? People don't want to get sued. They don't want to have complaints. They don't want to get fired. Everyone's chicken shit. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of groups like this and not all that extreme. So, I mean, I have to admire that because uh, that's where you're most likely to think about the amount of marketing messages that a mother age 37 is receiving. Yeah. Can you, um, everybody has her as their audience. Yeah. Like okay, it's a legitimate gonna, I'm, problem. Off, off the back of that, like you're, <laughs> off the back of that, you're saying like there there could be a brand that's hyper focused on the mom that actually talks shit about their kids. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, or I their husband would be a little nicer. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say there, there's there's a brand, and like all of the advertising is literally like this this mean like this mom that's super real and just talks yeah. shit about their kids. To like I the other mom, friend, that's in... I just had a, I had an old call, an employee of mine. She ditched her family because she's exhausted. She went to her twentieth college reunion in Scotland. You know, <laughs> you know, but that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I get it. That is the kind of thing that people react to. Yeah, nobody's nobody got nobody goes hard. I'm going to describe it as this. nobody <laughs> goes hard after something. They always like. They always, uh, they always There's no get, courage. They, I, I was going to use a bad word. I call it, I, this is a bad, I don't know if it's a bad word. It's called pussyfooting around. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's an 80s like, word. Okay, I wouldn't fine. use it I too much. I think my dad used to stop <laughs> pussyfooting around. Like if you, like if you, if you yeah. wouldn't go hard after the ball, I'd be like, you're pussyfooting around. Anyway, I, are you saying that like people don't, they're doing that. They're, they're just being, they're just, they're, they're just touching these things that people might find as what, what's. They are. And what's interesting, Mark, is I see it in the early stage world where I'm, I've spent my time when they, I see this lack of courage in marketing communications all the time. And it really, I just launched a course on effective consumer marketing for founders, by the way, there's my plug. On there my you website. go. Plug in. Um, it's not cheap, but it, I think it's worth time because we talk, I talk about this issue. If you're going to spend millions on paid communications, you can't be chicken shit. Mm-hmm. You're just throwing the money away because no one's going to remember it. Yes. You don't have to be offensive. You don't have to swear. You don't have to have porn stars. Those are just decisions people made because that they had audiences that they knew would react to that. But you've got to find it. You've got to be brave or you're yeah. just wasting your time. Just hire more sales guys.
<laughs> that's what I think, you know. <laughs> that's a really that's a really good comment though because it, I walked I walked Expo. I just walked this Expo, right? And and you've been to plenty of them, so you know this. Um, not only is it a little bit of different vibes out there and all that, but I really can't think of, and I'm friends with a lot of these people, so this isn't about a thing. Or, yeah. I can't think of one brand right now that that pops up into mind that screams something. You know what I mean by that? That screams something that is different than all that, the rest, right? And that's because, and, I, and I'm sure all the branding agencies out there, including those listening, are cheering up and down. And, and I'm not, not trying to give them fire and fuel per se, but because uh, they're part of the problem, a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, especially in the natural organic space, they continue to churn out this boring stuff. When in reality, what we learn is mm, pick an audience, own it. Uh, if your audience is surfers, build the brand identity around that initially. And the nice thing about brand identity, as long as the trademark is actually cleverly designed, you can actually switch your brand identity every three to five years. And it's probably not going to have a big difference, mm. a big impact. You're not going to lose people. So yeah. uh, you can evolve it as you grow. Yeah. You, uh, you know, what? I, I am going to say one brand actually that did just pop up and maybe you know them. Um, do you know dudes, dude, dude, dude wipes? Yeah, Dude, yeah. So, yeah. so Sean, it, that one actually does pop up and that's yep. because they've done things that are aggressive around shit. And, and I think that they could go even further, but I don't know. Oh, you know yeah. no, I, and that actually, so, so that one, I, Sean, I, I actually yeah. give credit to that one. Um, uh, the Barstool Sports, um, you yep. know them too. Actually, yep. that's another brand we could call out that where, where this guy went hard and he still goes hard where you're just like, oh my God, this guy is a, Un, whether you like him or hate him don't everything in between he <laughs> went hard at a yep. specific consumer and by the way dude connected there if you've ever seen some of their some of their branding i, I that one that one yep, actually i, I think agree. they went hard okay i do i do uh and and you can see the results <laughs> so I, I mean i think that uh and it's not we're not talking about the package design i mean there's there's the brand communications themselves that can get that need to be really edgy if you're going to invest in the money otherwise you should be just doing you know package symbolism and sales team uh, and i want to be clear that not all brands need to be going after crazy brave risque edgy advertising um it's possible to grow really well without much of that at all at least get to 100 million dollars where where I think things go off the rails is when you get into nine figures and something get absorbed by a PE firm, and they're they're hopeless. Those people like they they wouldn't invest they wouldn't invest in a mark like variable cost thing at the tune of 10, 20 million. If you put a gun to their head, they would just choose death. <laughs> but this, I mean, I, I I've been in arguments with them. I've seen them not do it. I've seen things tank because they refuse to pay for the costs a lot of money to advertise your way to half a billion. Mm -hmm. But that's generally one of the key tools you have to unlock. You, you have to keep reminding people and you have to keep um, chasing the new households. And that's very expensive. Uh, you know, just because you have national distribution doesn't mean the households just keep coming and coming. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I, I like to keep Not these at 20 minutes and we talked on two really, <laughs> I, I loved this topic because I, I know people will understand the, the liquid death scenario and what we've just been talking about. I also like the theme of this, which is 
calling out the fact that people don't really go hard after something. They're really, they're really just, um, Mark, there are so many, there are Mark, there are so many marketing teams that if you deleted them entirely, there would be almost no effect to the business, except that the sales team would now have to do the new product development and work. It's a really interesting sentiment that you're saying that because I understand what you mean by it. (laughs) I want to, I'm going to bring up a brand because they're buddies of mine too. And I might as well just give them some love right now. And I know that they're sizable and I believe they got there by kind of what you're saying, which is there's some brands that can just get to 50 Mm -hmm. million just by cruising. They have a good product. I'm going to call it out right now. It's Chomps. Do you know Chomps? No, yeah, no, that's a great that's a great okay. example. Okay, Pete, Pete and Rashid, by the way. Yeah. So let me just pay homage to these are two really that they counter each other perfectly. Rashid is super smart. Pete's got good arms. That's it. But that's it. So, but that's it. And, and uh, now they, they have an amazing product. Like I have some here because that's that that's my, I'm a consumer because I eat that way, right? But yeah. but what would you say like if it was you? And they're going, all right, we need to go now to, you said that we want to be half a billion. Would you say you got to go do something crazy? You got to go better, out. They better, not, they better not be launching products to get there. So. Better or, not be launching. Okay, or, so that's or, or hiring a bunch of public firm alumni who only know that. Okay, understood. Meaning stay in your one lane and do something super creative and stop avoiding stop avoiding the 10 million dollars of marketing if you do it right so because we know that if you do it right it works and the problem is nobody does it right because they don't commit so one of the challenges i have because i work a lot with these folks in phase four who are getting there and i really have to battle it's one reason i just spent this summer building this course because i just give it to my clients for free as brainwashing tell it say the course now so but just do it effective effective consumer marketing for founders and where do they find that though it's on my website premium keep going so I built the course in part because I needed to hand it to people who shall go nameless, who don't, they wake up in the bit at it in the morning and they don't really, they don't have the faith, man. They don't, they don't Mm -hmm. believe. Mm -hmm. And there is no greater, if we believe that marketing is like 80% art and 20% science. So it's terrifying. Yeah. It's not like finance. It's not like sales. So it's terrifying. Uh, if we acknowledge the fear and that the fear is causing a lot of otherwise smart people to just chicken shit out on busting their teams to create killer creative, like we ta- started this episode talking about, yeah. Uh, if they would just lean into the faith, then they tend to get the creative that they need. When they go in skeptical, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of money down the toilet every time. And it's painful for me to watch. It's painful for me to listen to because I, you, 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 I, I see I'm fair to it. Like I, that's what we are. Like I, I'm, I still, I, I haven't, we, we haven't done the bold thing yet. Like I'm still just trying to get to X number and trying to stay yeah. in business. And well, all look, that. But, look, but you're talking every... to everybody. People need to be fair to themselves. He's talking yeah. to you and you and you and you and you and you. <laughs> Cause I, I admit it. Why, why can't, you know, it doesn't, I think there's a mistake that you need to, um, so we're, we've been talking a lot about paid advertising as sure. and brand identity. And brand identity is cheap, by the way. That's like the cheapest way to win. Um, but a lot of Liquid Desk's success has been actually ad-driven, not just the package design, yeah. despite yeah. what they may claim. I mean, I think uh, it's both. Uh, and um, digital marketing expenses, which are really 
a lot of people don't have the PL set up to do this until they're 10, 20 million dollars. That's right. fine. I have Correct. no problem with that. But when you get to 70, 80, 90 million and you think you're going to keep growing at 50% a year, 80% a year, and you're not going to get involved in creative outreach, I think you're kidding yourself. And you better have the velocity, like numbers to prove that you, sh you should be relying solely on distribution gains. Um, you know, and a couple more flavors, but that's generally not how this works. You've got to go out and pound. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the senior people in the, in the natural organic industry who are baby boomers, they have bad habits because they create, you know, and some of the gifted ones who created brands, they were riding a sector tailwind. So they didn't need marketing. If you had a brand that was at 10 million in the year 2000 in natural organic, you rode a 15 to 20% year over year sector tailwind if you sat on your, if you napped all day. If you didn't nap and you actually did some work, you get 40 to 50% pretty easily. And if you really worked, you'd get exponential growth and some did, uh, but most people didn't work that hard. Not that hard. This is good. I'm I'm wrapping it because we hit our we hit our number. I, I want I want them to check out. This is good. We're gonna have to do. I know you you only wanted to, but at some point we're gonna do another. Uh, check out his info's there. You go to his website. He's got the book. You have to read that one. And then the new uh, this new program he's got going on. Check it out. Uh, Mister Doctor James Richardson. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Mark. It was fun. <laughs>